you came sleepy, you are now awake. <laughs> Praise God. I feel sorry for these folks, uh, or for you folks, actually, because it's like the little boy went to church with his dad, and his dad said, uh, what did you think about the service? He said, well, the music was great, but the commercial was too long. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't want you leaving here this morning thinking the commercial was too long, so... I don't blame you. I feel like the music was great, and I'm worried about the commercial myself. Wow. Praise God. Aren't you glad that Jesus is everything? Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to just talk quickly this morning. We've been trying to get a glimpse of God, what He's doing, who He is, His nature, His character, because in the midst of building, (coughs) excuse me, building buildings, (coughs) excuse me, It's hard to do that with a mic on, but I just did it, and the whole world got to see it. I don't know what the deal is with this third service doll. She's getting good at throwing that, isn't she? One of these days, I'll figure it out and bring it with me. We've been trying to get a glimpse of God because in the midst of building a building or developing a campus, what we really need is not, <coughs> is not an eye and, a, and our, our gaze fixed upon stuff. We need our gaze fixed upon Jesus. Amen. And I just want to tell you this morning, if, if more than anything else in your life, no matter what's going on in your life, you need to know and experience the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. There are no cute little lessons that I can teach you on Sunday morning, or we can sing cute little songs that will inspire your spirit enough to hold you. What you need is a personal, vibrant, powerful, living relationship with Jesus Christ, and He's still doing that in 2018. Amen. We've looked at a lot of different things over the past few weeks, but I want to talk about the peace of God this morning. I want to talk about the peace of God. Actually, I want to talk about the God of peace and the peace of God. Actually, I want to talk about the peace of God, the God of peace, and peace with God. That's a lot of pieces, isn't it? They sound the same, they sound a little bit nuanced, but they're actually very, very, very unique, and they're very, very, all very, very, very important. All of us want peace. I would, I would propose this morning that Kim Jong-un wants peace. He just thinks the way to get there is to get the biggest army. And what's he going to do when he gets to, he doesn't... He doesn't want to kill the whole world. He just wants to have the biggest army so he can be at peace. So he can tell everybody what to do. And dic- You're right. I believe everybody wants peace. The New York Times, I'm going to quote them a couple times in this service, which is going to be a first. Maybe a last. The New York Times described it, said, peace is a fable. In an article a few years ago, they they wrote that over the past 3,400 years, humans have been entirely at peace for only 8% of recorded history. They say 108 million people were killed in wars in the 20th century. Estimates for total numbers killed in wars throughout all of human history range from 150 million to to a billion. Peace Peace is a hard thing to get a hold on, isn't it? Just about the moment we get it figured out as a nation or, or a world or a group of nations, something else happens. We were on this really good streak. They say from 36 B.C. there have been nearly 15,000 wars and 
Before World War II, we were on this really good pace of about 2.6 wars a year. And after World War II, we got all technological, all advanced, all smart, and now we're up to three. It's a uh, peace is a hard thing to find. But if peace is a fable for nations, let's just be honest. Forget the United Nations, forget the world. How difficult is it in our life when we don't have peace? Some of us have decided that peace is a fable for me or for you. It's evasive. The Apostle Paul talks directly about this. Actually, he uses a couple phrases that, that I want to I look at this morning in Philippians chapter 4. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 9. And this is either going to be a really long sermon, or I'm going to be uh, needing more water. Or a real short sermon, or I'm going to need more water. <clears throat> this is what he said in chapter 4 of Philippians. These are, these are those verses that you've read so long that when you read them, you don't even know what they mean, but they make you feel good. You know, just those verses. You ever, there, these, are, these are those verses. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And notice this phrase, and the peace of God. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And then notice this, the God of peace will be with you. In verses 7 and 9, the, the apostle uses those phrases and all he does is invert them. He says the peace of God in chapter uh, verse 7 and then he says the God of peace in verse 9. I want to start here this morning. I want to zoom out and look at a couple big ideas, and then I want to zoom right back and land right here in a few moments. But I want to propose to you this morning that God possesses a unique peace that is unlike the peace in this world. And I want, I want, us, to, I want us to ponder as we, as we spend our moments together, I want us to ponder, am I at peace? Do I have peace? And more particularly as we go, do I have the peace of God. And I'm here to say this morning that God possesses a unique peace. Jesus said in John 14, my peace I give to you, not the peace that the world gives. My peace I leave with you, not the world's peace, my peace. God has a unique peace and he has the unique ability to provide peace to the human heart. Again, I ask it, are you at peace this morning? Are you experiencing the peace of God? And that is not to be a, uh, so, so much a, a convicting question as it is to be a reflecting question and a probing question. Really, let's, let's look at this idea of peace from three different 
angles and, and really just kind of hopefully move through the first couple rather quick and, and land at the last one. But there is the God of peace that he mentions in verse 9. And really, what does that mean? And what, what does that mean about the peace that God is himself the source of? Secondly, there is peace with God. And that's, that's another matter. There's the God of peace, but then there's this idea of having peace with God. I'm just going to go on record to say it this morning, that a lot of us, a lot of the battles and a lot of the challenges, most of the challenges in the world are rooted in the reality that human beings are disconnected and at odds with their Creator. Do you have peace this morning? I, I, I will explain this later, a few moments from now. But, but listen, uh, uh, just because you're, 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 you're dealing with turmoil doesn't mean you're not at peace with God. I, I don't want you to think that. But there are a lot of people who are dealing with tor- turmoil be- distinctly because they're not at peace with God. We're trying to get at peace with ourselves and we're trying to get at peace with everything else and we think peace comes from doing this or we think peace comes from just liberating ourselves or we think peace comes from indulging ourselves and we, th- and we search it all out and we try so hard and, and we're not at peace. And really, it starts by getting at peace with your Creator. They say when, you know, this is a, say, this is a slogan, you've all heard it, I'm not saying it, I'm not using it as a cute quote, and I'm certainly not using it as degrading to women. You know, they say, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy, right? Don't say amen, guys, come on. You, I tried to hold you from that. No, I'm just kidding. The reality is when you're not at peace with your heavenly father, you'll never be happy. You'll never be happy. There's peace, there's the God of peace, there's peace with God, and then there's this idea of the peace of God. And there's three distinct things. Let's talk about them. God is the source of all peace. This is the God of peace. Paul calls him the God of peace in verse 9. If you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, he says, And the God of peace will sanctify you completely, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is the source of peace. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, he says, And the God of peace who was raised from the dead. Jesus was born and he was called the what? The Prince of Peace. And when we try to understand this idea of peace, you have to go to the God of peace. What is that action? Just as God is the source of all love, and to really understand love, you have to understand who, who, who God is and His nature. So it is with peace. God is the source of all peace. He's the, he's the founder of it. Jacob called Him in, in, in Joshua chapter 6. He, uh, Joshua called Him the, the God of the Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And in order to understand it, we, we need to try to, in order to understand the definition of it, you need to understand who God is in the relationship to this piece. By the way, let me ask you this question. How do we most, what would, you, what would be the most common way to define peace? What is peace? Let's just do that together this morning and uh, uh, try to define it. What's the most, this is not a trick question, it's, it's truly not. It's just, it's just there's, a, there's a secular, ordinary way of defining peace, and then there's, I believe, a biblical way, and, I, and you'll understand it. Anybody want to take a stab at it? Contentment. Contentment. Harmony. Presence of God's love. Lack of conflict. What would you say? 
lack of conflict. I think, I think if, if, if we were to be that, that contentment and, 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 and those feelings of the, those docile feelings that come along with peace are really rooted in the lack or the absence of trouble. In other words, when all the kids are in bed and the only action in the house is a flicker of a candle and your husband or your wife calls, what do you say? It's peaceful. And what does that mean? Nothing's going on. <laughs> and really, that, that, is, that, is an, that is true. The lack of conflict is an element of peace, but it's insufficient by far when we understand what this word in the Old Testament that is about God really means, this word shalom. So lack of conflict is, is, a good, is, a, is, is fair, but it's not adequate. It's sort of the negative definition of peace. Peace is the lack of conflict. Well, you know, you can have then, quote, peace in your home if you and your spouse aren't punching each other in the face. But if you're not talking and you're not communicating and you're not in any way engaging with one another, how much wonderful glory is that? None, right? So lack of conflict by itself is not adequate. As a matter of fact, to understand it, we need to understand what the Bible says about it. And, 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 and God is described as the God of shalom. And shalom is a word meaning wholeness of life or body. Completeness. It means a right relationship and harmony between two parties established by a covenant. It means prosperity and success and fulfillment. It means victory over one's enemy or absence of war. It was used in both greetings and farewell. When you saw them, you said, Shalom. And it meant not only may the absence of conflict be in your life, but may the presence of the blessings of God be in your life. Not just the absence of conflict, the negative view, which is, is, is true, but yet there's this, there's this, this is shalom, this is the peace of God, this is the God of peace, this is the one who brings all good and glorious things into our life. This is who God is. And it's why God will judge the earth someday. Because in Jesus', in, in Jesus words in Matthew 5, when he said, blessed are the peacemakers, and we define peace as the absence of trouble or the absence of conflict, and we read it, blessed are the people who never have any conflict. And then Jesus goes to the temple and goes, boom! You bunch of idiots! That's the Troy Keaton unauthorized action version. Right? Was Jesus not a peacemaker? You see, the idea of shalom means things whole and complete and like they're supposed to be. And God has been working since the Garden of Eden because God created the world whole and complete exactly like it was supposed to be. And since the fall of man and the, in, the, the influx of sin into the humanity, God has been working to put it back together. And there's coming a day when the great and glorious peacemaker in heaven is going to crush evil in a mighty show of force. And that will be the greatest act of peace there ever was because he's putting it back together. Amen. Amen. He's removing conflict, he's removing evil rather, through conflict so that he can restore what is really what it ought to be. You want to know what really, I think a good definition of the lack of peace in our life is the lack of peace comes when things aren't as they ought to be. And we learn that from this God of peace 
this idea of shalom. The biblical concept of peace does not focus on the absence of trouble, but biblical peace is unrelated to circumstances. It is the serenity of life that is not dependent upon what happens on the outside. It is when God brings wholeness and healing and blessing and peace into my heart regardless. This is, this is the God of peace. Then we shift gears and ask the question, if he's a God of peace, do I have peace with God? Are things in my life like they ought to be in relationship to God? The first, the first step, as I've already stated, in this whole matter of, of, of living a life that is peace-filled and blessed and, 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 and has the shalom of God in my life, is I've got to go make peace with God. And here's the challenge. You and I are born, we know it, you know it, we are born at odds with God. And you are not a holy and a righteous person because you go to church and you're not a holy and righteous person because you've behaved yourself pretty well. You are not a holy and righteous person because you've done anything of of, of grandeur or anything on this earth. We are only holy and righteous when we come to God through Christ. And the only way to have peace with God is to confess our sins, repent of our sins, come to Jesus Christ, and let the great Prince of Peace bring peace between God and us. Otherwise, there's coming a day when God will be a peacemaker and we will stand under the judgment of God because we are at odds with God. Romans put it this way. We can be justified by faith and have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody says, I don't think I'm at peace with God. and That's why I'm at church. I started going to church. I want to get at peace with God. It's a wonderful thing to go to church. It's a wonderful place to grow in your faith. But let me just reiterate what I say so often. Never think that attaching yourself to a church or adapting religious behavior will in that event by itself give you peace with God. You need to get on your knees and look to Jesus and confess and repent of your sins and find cleansing and forgiveness. And Jesus Christ who gave His life on the cross will apply His, his sacrifice to your account and God's justice will be satisfied and God will say, we're good. Amen. God has been, God has been working so hard. God has done everything that is necessary to bring peace with humanity. God has done everything that is The moment Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God showed up and God began to work. God began to work a way where this holy, righteous, transcendent, powerful, wonderful God could have fellowship with fallen, sinful human beings, which is not possible. But God established a covenant between himself and his people. And it was a covenant where the people would perform certain acts of obedience and ritual and sacrifice. And God, as long as, as, long as the people followed the, the law of God, God would confirm his covenant to them and he would be with them. And whenever the people of God, wherever they went, they were in covenant relationship with God. And when they were performing and doing what God said that they should do, God would bless them and help them. And when they would rebel and turn their back against God, Jeremiah says in Lamentation chapter one or two, he says, God became as an enemy to his people. They lost the peace with God. But God over and again, He made promises, I'm going to send a Messiah. 
I'm going to send someone. I'm bringing a mediator. And this mediator is going to be the mediator of a better covenant. And we're going to make a covenant with you. And this covenant is going to be lasting for all time. And this covenant will be sufficient. And not only will it represent something, but the power of the covenant of the cross of Jesus Christ will not only represent the payment for sin, but the work of Christ will transform the sinful and make them in right relationship with God. And so in the Old Testament covenant and the New Testament cross, God is working over time to make sure that we can have peace with Him. And I'm so glad we live in the New Testament day, aren't you? Because we live in this day that it's not based purely, there is, a, there is the peace of God that is, that, is, that is somewhat behavioral because you turn your back on God and you will lose the peace of God. But this matter of peace with God is not me performing up to a standard so that God says, you're good enough, you can come into my kingdom. God says, Christ is good enough. And if you will trust in Christ, you and I can be on great terms. This morning, someone says, well, I've never really done that because I just don't feel worthy. Let me tell you something about that feeling that you're having. First of all, it's good. Second, it's bad. First of all, it's good because we are not worthy. But thank God we're not worthless. We're not worthy. But it's bad in this sense. When you say, I can't come to Christ because I'm not worthy, what you're really saying is, I'm trusting in myself. It is when we say, we are not worthy. But oh, we see Christ and He alone is worthy. And we cast our sin and our brokenness upon Jesus Christ. And His worthiness gives us peace with God. And we are clean and clear. It's okay to feel like you're not worthy. Just turn that real quickly to trusting in the one who is worthy. Did you know, no matter who you are, where you are, whether you're online or in the chapel or here this morning, whether you came to church today for the first time in your life or whether you've been in church since you were born, it doesn't matter. Every one of us stand in the exact same place before God and none of us are worthy to gain access to Him. It is only as we put our trust in Jesus Christ, that we have peace with God. God is a God of peace. He's a God of wholeness and completeness, and He wants to put everything back like it, and, and He wants us to have peace with Him. Did you know uh, Stan Key says that, that the greatest condition of the human, the biggest condition of the human heart is homesickness? Because he says, since the garden, when we were, we were expelled from the garden, We've been wanderers and strangers ever since that day. And the reason why people search in drugs and alcohol and sensuality and all of their own personal... They're searching. And you know what they're searching for? They're trying to get back to Eden. There's only one way you're going to find contentment. And that is to find contentment in the one who created you. And that's coming to Christ and getting at peace with God. Let's talk for a moment about the peace of God. Well, I haven't paid a lick of attention to my notes. That's some good stuff I just passed up. Let me just say this. God provides peace in the midst of life's most difficult circumstances. Now, I want, I want, you, to make this, I want you to make this distinction with me. It is possible to be 
at peace with God and not be experiencing the peace of God. Are you with me? And I want you to know this. The devil is a liar. And sometimes when life is so out of sorts and the world that we're in is turned upside down and there is no peace within a million miles, the devil comes and whispers in our ear, you're not even a child of God. But I got good news for you this morning. If you have peace with God, you have peace with God. And life will throw you a million curves and things can get a little bit crazy in your life and your heart can be broken and you can be weeping in times and in seasons of sorrow and you can, be, you can maybe even be in some of your own doing missing out on the peace of God. But just because you don't have the peace of God doesn't mean you don't have peace with God. Somebody needed to know that this morning when you came in here. Someone described the distinction between the two as the ocean and the shore. The ocean is an objective reality. When I came to Christ, I found peace with God. That is an objective reality. And the peace of God is like the shore. Sometimes it ebbs and flows, and sometimes it's raging like a tempest, and sometimes it's calm and cool and collected. Anybody, you're looking at me like I'm a little funny. Do you not know that the peace of God ebbs and flows, or is it just me? Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm sure they got this totally in the chapel. And, and this is the very thing that Paul is doing in writing to people who were at peace with God, describing to them on how they could experience the peace of God. He describes the peace of God in, the, in verse 7, and this is what he says about it. He says, the peace of God is supernatural. It is the peace of God. I started by saying it's unique, it's special, it's something like the world can't offer. Jesus said it in his, in his uh, John 14 to the disciples, he said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace, I give you a new kind of peace. I'd like to imagine it, just to help me understand it, I imagine as though we're standing out freezing cold in a freezing cold environment and I'm freezing cold and Jesus is standing there with a really nice warm coat and he says, I'll tell you what, that coat's not working, is it? My peace, my coat I give to you, not the coat like you're wearing. I'm going to give you something that really works. There is a peace of this world. It's the absence of conflict. The peace of this world is not bad. It's laying on the beach enjoying the rays of the sun and the cell phone's buried in a suitcase in the hotel. That is peace. But that's not the peace of God, right? Because... Paul says it's, it's, it's of God. It's supernatural. And I want, I, want, I want to make this point to you this morning that God has a stabilizing grace that he can pour into your heart that can keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him. And this is really good. It must be what Stephen experienced. It must be what Stephen experienced when he's there on the ground and they're stoning him to death and he looks up and he begins to worship because he sees something beyond this life. He begins to even pray for his persecutors. It must be, he must have experienced the peace of God. It's unexplainable. It passes all understanding. I believe it's unexplainable, it's, it's incomprehensible, but it, but it is, a, you are able to apprehend it. You can't comprehend it, but you can't apprehend it. You can't understand it. Jesus had lived his entire life in a world that he created, looking at people that he had created. 
watching the craziness. It literally, if I was Jesus, I would the Lord, the God would have called me back to heaven and said, "I'm sending somebody else. You're out of control." Can you imagine dealing with your creation, the people that you created? You know more about. They're quoting the Old Testament that you wrote and misquoting it. And they're making fun of you and mocking you and doing all of these things. And you know what Jesus said? It must be that he had the peace of God that passes all understanding. My peace. He stayed calm, cool, and collected. It is, it is unexplainable. It's what John Wesley must have witnessed when he came to America to be a missionary before he was even converted, which we don't recommend in our missions program to become a missionary before you get saved. But he went to Oxford and he got an education and he came to Savannah, Georgia to be a missionary to the Native Americans. And he got here and he was a miserable failure, which usually happens when you're not saved and you're trying to be a missionary. And on his way back to England, on the ship, the ship is being nearly destroyed in a terrible storm. He's over there screaming for his life, saying, I'm scared to death. And he looks over, and a bunch of Moravian Christians are over there sitting in a circle, singing hymns and praises to Jesus. And he said, what do they have that I don't have? They had the peace of God. It's unexplainable. It's experiential. He said, it will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus There is an inner calm of the soul that God can give you that will dominate your heart. The faithful follower of Jesus will know peace in their heart and in their mind, in their will, in their ambitions, and in their thinking. Despite the craziness that's going on around you, no one, especially those outside of Christ, will be able to understand the peace that you have in the midst of your most difficult days. It will remain a mystery to them, but you can be calm, cool, and collected in the midst of difficulty. I, I, I am not saying this morning, I am not saying this morning that we're going to be fake and phony when things are bad. There's nothing I hate worse something bad going on. And as a pastor, you kind of are trained in these things when you go to a hospital or you go up on a tragic situation. You don't go in there with all the answers and say, well, God's in control and he's got a plan. I'm sorry your child just died. You know, that's just stupid. You just don't say that kind of stuff. But there is such a thing as the peace of God that will anchor you in the midst of difficulty. It's the God of peace giving you the peace of God. So how do you get the peace of God? you got to have the peace with God. That starts. Here's Paul's advice to us. And very quickly as we close. If you want the peace of God, find your joy in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I find out that I begin to lose the peace of God when I begin pursuing the things of this world in place of pursuit of God. Find your joy in the worship the Lord. Make sure you spend time every day worshiping who and what God is to you. Worship the Lord. You get your eyes off the Lord. You rejoice in any other thing and you will lose the peace of God. Forgive others quickly and consistently. He said, let your reasonableness be known to all men. That's one of those verses, as I said a moment ago, sounds so pretty, we just put it on a card, don't know what the world it means. Another translation is, let your moderation be known. 
McLaren says that this verse means we are meek under provocation. We have a readiness to forgive injuries. We have equity in the management of business. We have candor in judging of others' characters. And we have sweetness of disposition and the entire government of our passions. What is he saying? Let me tell you, put it in plain language. If you want to have the peace of God, get peace with God. Rejoice in the Lord and stop holding everybody else to a ridiculous standard. That will stress you out. Amen? Wife, you want to be happy? You stressed out over your husband? Find your joy in the Lord. Stop trying to make your husband your Lord and find all your fulfillment in him. There's only a few of us that can do that for our wives and you're not one of them. (laughs) Sorry. I'll qualify that statement by this. My wife taught me that principle when she read a book several years ago and she said it has helped me so much to understand Troy that you can't provide me anything that I need to find it in Jesus first and I kind of first thought oh, and then I went hallelujah praise Jesus <laughs> no this is true let your moderation hold people to a modest standard and forgive and treat them well it'll help your peace amen thirdly Fight your battles in prayer. Don't be anxious over anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When life throws you a curveball, what are you going to do? Are you going to get all stressed out, raise your blood pressure, and try to solve it and get mad and get back and get even and everything else? You know what you're doing? You're destroying your peace. You're destroying your... Let's, don't be anxious about it. But in everything, with prayer, and let's take it to the Lord in prayer. You know, they say bitterness is, the, is a capsule that consumes that, which in which it, that in which it dwells. Vengeance is the same way. If I have bitterness and anger and vengeance in me, it just eats me from the end. It's like eating the pill of poison and hoping the rat dies. Fight your battles in prayer. Don't be anxious. What? God knows. How many of you know that God knows tomorrow and he knows yesterday? And anything that happens to me today, Lord knows I don't want anything bad to happen. I'm not that spiritual. But anything that bad happens to me, the Lord knows. And I'm going to take it to the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to trust in Him. It'll, get, it'll help your peace. Focus your attention on things which are holy. In the modern translation, I, say, I think it says, shut off your Facebook. <laughs> Finally, verse 8. Listen, tell me if this is not what that says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Should you shut off your Facebook? Whatever is honorable. Whatever is just and pure and lovely and commendable. If there's any virtue or any praise, think on these things. That might mean turning off your Facebook and the news. Amen? It might mean turning off the prayer chain in some churches. Who knows? Whatever is pure and true, focus your attention on what is holy and right and true. And then finally, follow good examples. Paul said in verse 9, As you have seen and learned and heard of me, you do that. And you know why Paul was, you know why that, that, that's a, such good advice? Listen to what he said about himself in ver- the very next verse. We didn't read it, but I just want to read it to you. Listen to what he said. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. What did he just tell us to do? Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Follow me. And listen to what he said in verse 11. After I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, I have learned in whatsoever situation I'm in to be content. 
Why? Because I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. He says, follow me. Follow good examples. You know what that means? That does. That might mean you're going to have to do something about Facebook. Because I want to tell you something. Cantankerous, ugly, nasty, grouchy, fussing, feuding, gossiping is not according to Philippians 4 verse 8. Amen. You can snooze people too for 30 days. They won't even know they're gone. <laughs> Some of you might be sleeping in my own little world. You don't even know it. Amen. This is Paul's, this is Paul's admonition. So questions as we close. Do you have peace with God? Maybe you came here today and you don't have peace. You just need to say, Lord, I'm, I'm done fighting. The battle's over. I'm not going to resist anymore. I need peace with my maker. And I want to be on good terms. I want to be at peace with you. You can do that by praying as we're going to pray in a moment. Pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I repent of my sins and I ask you to cleanse me and unite me with the one who made me. And then probably a whole range of us that are dealing with a lack of peace of God. Maybe it's a situation at work, a home, a health situation. I don't know. But can I just tell you this morning that God has a special, unique, unexplainable, supernatural, experiential peace that will keep you and guard you. I just wonder this morning... Just feel led to do this. How many of you are here that say, you know what, I got some issues, areas of my life. I need the peace of God to help me in some areas. Just raise your hand. I just need the peace of God in areas of my life. So will you pray with me? Stand together if you would. And let's pray together. When we're finished praying, our prayer team is in this hall to my left. If you would like someone specifically to pray with you and for you, I encourage you just to step out there. There'll be people in the hall waiting to just pray with you whether you want to get right with God or whether you just got a battle that you're facing we want to pray with you and pray for you so let's just pray together Lord Jesus we bow before you today to say thank you thank you thank you that you're the God who's brought us peace and Lord we thank you that you can give us something that the world can't provide us we've tried all that and as Peter said in John chapter 6 Lord We've been there and done that. You alone have the words of eternal life. And we're going to stay with you. And so, Lord, I pray for every person in this room, the chapel, those online. I pray for them right now that the Holy Spirit of God would speak directly to their hearts, whatever their needs are. And, Lord, I'm thinking now, if there are those who came to church today at odds with their Creator that in this moment they would simply pray. And I encourage you, if you're here this morning and you're not right with God, you just pray this prayer with me. Dear God, in Jesus' name, I confess my sinfulness and I ask you to forgive me for fighting against you. And I commit my life to you and I invite Christ into my life right now so that I can experience the peace with my Creator. Lord, I pray that you would help hungry hearts to pray that prayer with sincerity, Lord, and that you would change them beginning in this moment, that the Holy Spirit would confirm the work of God in their life. Lord, I pray for those many here today, many, many who need the peace of God. Would you, oh God, begin to show them maybe some of these areas that Paul has mentioned, that they need your help. And I pray that you would work and show them, mature them, direct them, Guide them, we pray, so that they can live a life filled with 
the peace of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. If you need prayer, feel free to stop into the hall next door. Thank you for being here this morning. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at EastlakeSML. Thanks for joining us.